0: One of the more poignant stories in all of uh, Sefer Bratius is the story of Rachel and Leah, these two sisters who, of course, are married to the same man. And it is clear in the Torah that Yaakov's preference was for Rachel. She was the one that he had worked originally for to marry. She was the one that the Torah describes he had a great love for. And yet he's married to the two sisters together. And Leah, who has children first names the first three of her children, all of them consistently after the yearning that she has to have the same relationship with her husband, Yaakov, that her sister enjoys. Her first son, Ruuvein is Re'eh Hashem Es'ani. Hashem sees my affliction. He sees the pain, the suffering that I have. Her second son, she names Shimon, Kishoma Hashem. Hashem has heard Ki Anochi, that I am not as beloved as my sister. And her third son, Levi, This time, maybe this time, my husband will connect to me and accompany me the same way that he does to my sister Rachel. All three of those children have the same pattern until you get to her fourth son, whom she names Yehuda, because hapa'am ode es Hashem. This time, I give thanks to Hashem. And it's of note, and I heard this question from Rabbi Chaim Steinmetz, my predecessor here at TVDJ, what changed? that the first three children are all a yearning for that which she's missing, the love that she wishes she had. And then the fourth, she says, Apam, Hashem. this time I give thanks to Hashem. It, it's possible, I guess we could suggest, that her yearning worked, and after she had three sons, and then her fourth, her husband, Yaakov, did connect with her. But we don't really see evidence of that. And therefore, we have to understand a little bit what took place. Before I uh, share with, the, with you the answer that Rabbi Steinmet suggested, there, there's another aspect of the Rahaleya dynamic which is fascinating. That is when we're first introduced to them, each one of them gets a single line of introduction, something about them. Each one of the forefathers and foremothers Sometimes we know more about them or less about them. And here with Rachel and Leah, they get one line. Yaakov, of course, arrives at the well after running away from his brother Asa from last week's parsha, and he gets connected with his uncle Lovan. And the Torah says, And his uncle Lovan had two daughters, the elder Leah and the younger Rachel. Ve'enei rakot. And the eyes of Leah were soft or tender. The Rachel, I saw Yefas Tayar Yefas She was a beautiful woman. Those are the single descriptions. Leia having these softer, tender eyes and Rachel being of beautiful, beautiful nature. What does it mean to have soft eyes? What what does that say? So Many of us are familiar with the Medrash. Rashi quotes the Medrash, that the element of soft eyes is because she was crying, because it was destined, she had been told that the two twins of of Rivka, Yaakov and Esav, were going to marry these two sisters, Rachel and Leah, and the elder would marry the elder, the younger, the younger, and when Leah, the elder, asked, well, what's Esav like? And she finds out that he was such a a horrible person, so she would cry about them. That's the magic. What's the simple meaning? What does the Torah want to convey by saying that she has soft eyes? I saw a one-line comment from Rabshimshin Raphael Hirsch, the great leader of the Jewish community, who often writes um, essays on every possible. Simple one sentence, he said. The Torah wants to highlight the element of beauty that she had. Nobody could compare it to a Rachel. Rachel was beautiful. And her older sister Leah didn't have that beauty. But she did have something. She had beautiful eyes. And so the Torah highlights the element that she has. She had beautiful eyes. The major in that also, that the language that was used, that she cried. But she had beautiful eyes. And the first points out, okay, you, you highlight, you point out and focus the beautiful aspect that she see, had. And when I saw that, I was immediately reminded of a story which I've shared in shul before from a memoir, a very powerful memoir from the Holocaust from Dr. Edith Eger, who is uh, still alive and well, and, and she's a professor now uh, of psychology, and she's a, she practices psychology. And she writes in her memoir called The Choice, beautiful, beautiful book. She describes in the first 40 pages of the book what it was like growing up in Hungary, and then the being rounded up and being put on the train, and then being separated at Auschwitz from her parents, where she and her sister, got. Uh, uh, got together survived and that first day in Auschwitz, the first day when they came to the realizations of what the smokestacks meant, the first day when they were stripped of their clothing and their hair was shaven off and they're standing in the cold for hours awaiting a flimsy uniform, and their whole world had been upended. They've been orphaned in a matter of moments. And they, they, the two of them are standing together. And her elder sister, who she wrote, writes very beautifully about had She'd always looked up to her. She was a few years older, 18 or 19 at the time. She was a girl, 16 or 17. And she was already a beautiful young woman. And she was involved in so many things and talented. And there she was standing naked. And with she was said she was holding her hair that had been shaven off in her hand, like trying to hold on to some piece of her. And her older sister, Magda, turns to Edith and says, tell me the truth. How do I look? And, and Dr. Dr. Eger writes in her memoir, like, the truth? You want to know the truth? I, I, I don't have words to describe how you look right now. But she looked at her and she saw her beautiful blue eyes and she said, you know, your eyes, your eyes are so beautiful. I never noticed them before when you had so much hair, but now I can see them. Beautiful eyes you have. And her sister turned to her and whispered a, a thank you. She said, that thank you took us through the camps. The ability, she said, I learned that day that we all have the choice to focus on what we have or to focus on what we've lost. And that day we made the choice to focus on what we have. And I was immediately reminded about the story when I saw Rabbi Hirsch's comment that the Torah describes Leah as having beautiful eyes to focus on what she had Rabbi Steinman suggested maybe that's what happened for Leah. Three children she has. And each time all she can see is yearning for what she's missing. Each time only wishing, Halavai, if only I had the love of my husband like my sister Rachel does. If only I had his attention. And then at a point she realized, you know, it, it is what that is. But look, I just had my fourth son. And now I can focus on what I have instead of what I wish I had. And this son is named Yehuda. This son is named, I give thanks, Hapam odeh es Hashem. We are all named Yehuda. We are a people of thanks and gratitude. There is not a person alive who has everything that they want. There is every single one of us can look at someone else in our circle of friends, in our communities, and wish we had what they have. Everyone, there's not an exception to that. And yet, we also all have f- tremendous blessings in our life and things to be appreciative of. And we have the choice every day to only see the things we're missing, to only yearn for the things that we wish we had that someone else has, or to be filled with gratitude with that which we actually have. And we are Yehudim, the ability to be grateful for that which we have, to live every life and see, I have beautiful eyes. The people in my life have beautiful eyes. That is a trait, it's a gift that we have to be able to live with appreciation and to see the blessings. And it's true there are things that we yearn for and that we wish we had as well. But Halavai, we should always live with that and to see those blessings in our life.